0: To thoughtful, a podcast where two buds talk about interesting ideas. I'm Quentin, and I'm Jordan. We're starting now. Hey, Quentin. Hey there. I have a quote today. I need to. uh, Okay what were you going to say? You need to. I was just going to make sure that I remind myself to angle my my mouth at the microphone. That's a weird thing to say. Why would you say that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have a quote for today. Tell me your quote. It's a little different than normal because it's not a full quote. It's half a quote.
0: Okay. Tell me half. Tell me the full half quote. The problem with money. The problem
1: with money is, and now this time, unlike other times, we're going to, we're going to finish the quote. Are, are, okay. I, I got a, pro, I got a prop. The only problem with money is hmm. more problems. <laughs> that seems like a good quote.
0: Yeah. The problem with money is when you print more of it, there's inflation.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good. and just succinct enough to
0: be punchy, you know. I heard a description of money as. Let's see how how is this introduced. Seth Godin mentioned a different book that he read that I don't remember. What the title of what what the title of was or the author of was. Mm assuming that those sentences make sense, that that author made an argument that the origin of money was as a means to keep track of debt.
1: So you're saying the problem with money is...
0: It's fundamentally... The existence of money is based on the, need, the societal need for debt. I don't know if that's true, but it's an interesting idea. Okay, because- That with money nec- necessarily comes debt. Before money, you just you traded stuff that yeah. you have. and, and you could an, only trade things you had. Yeah, and you, yeah, right, right. There was no, but money is representational value. Mm-hmm. And so, more money, more debt. Mo' money, mo' debt.
1: <laughs> I think it's safe to say <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking of a story about oh it's it's this parable-ish kind of story with an American businessman who's on vacation in Mexico and he comes up to a fisherman mm-hmm. who is there on the beach and gets to talking to him and says you know he's he's playing guitar with his family and, mm-hmm. and singing and here comes the American businessman and says do you know If you just caught more fish, then you could have the life that you want.
0: Oh right, right. This one before I, I've heard something similar
1: to it. And so, and then the fisherman says, "What then, Senor?" And then he goes on and says, "Well, if you have more money, then you can buy a bigger fishing boat, and you can catch more fish." Yes. What then, Senor? Well, if you have a bigger fishing boat and you catch more fish, then you could hire other fishermen to fish for you. Yes. And then what then, Senor? Then you could have a whole fleet What yeah. then, Senor. Well, yeah. you could sit on the beach with your family and, and sing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so I, I've i been thinking a little bit about it. I wasn't intending it to go this way, but yeah. I've been thinking a, a little bit about, you know, it's just th- if, if you're not happy where you are, then... It's it's not going to money is not going to solve your problems.
0: <laughs> yes. And I do feel like I did have a revelation after shortly after graduating college I was really obsessed with minimalism and
1: <laughs> and then and then I decided to get rid of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, right. Um I don't even want minimalism anymore. I want even less. Um I want singularism. <laughs> Um, that's the only thing I have now <laughs> 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 um, but I, I was really into minimalism I was listening to this podcast called The Minimalists and they talk about contemporary lifestyle in the US and how consumeristic we all are and all these things and we're on a treadmill just to earn more money so we can buy more stuff we don't need etc and then i watched the minimalist documentary and they were like do you realize in the united states you or or what did they say they said psychologists have studied the impact that money has on happiness and general well-being and it turns out that there you know if you're if you're just trying to survive whatever more money will make you happier because you'll be able to, you know, actually eat and actually clean your body and actually uh, have work that's not just in a factory, blah, blah, blah. But they're like, but beyond that, we keep going and going. And it's so egregious because we just keep working and working for more and more money that we don't need. Do you realize that psychologists have studied the threshold where you're not getting more returns on your quality of life after you're earning more money. And that threshold is $70,000. And if you're earning more than $70,000, you have no more quality of life gains than if you... $250, work, uh, or 250000 Yeah, if you earn $250,000. So they're like, isn't that crazy? It's so ridiculous. Why are we working so hard? And at the time I was a substitute teacher making 10 dollars an hour and I was like wait a minute I'm I'm barely scraping by trying to you know take their idea of what minimalism is and they're coming from the perspective of having worked these like executive corporate jobs where they're both earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year <laughs> and disgusted with that system I was like their minimalism is different than what I need in my life. <laughs> the minimalism in my life that I need is a well-paying job. <laughs> That's what I thought at the time. And then I invented singularism. <laughs> and then I invented singularism, and I didn't even need that. Um, but I do feel like I I do feel like there's a certain amount of money that will make you happier to an extent. However, our culture is obsessed with. I feel like having money to survive is different than consumerism and needing uh, an idealized version of what your life is supposed to be. And it, and it is easy to conflate the two and to continue to work harder and continue to work for, for more and more and get on this treadmill. Um, so I still support minimalism, but <laughs> yeah.
1: Healthcare is getting more expensive, and I don't know about you, but I think a person shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg. The good news is, with MedBucks, instead, you can just pay an eye for an eye. Download the free app to trade health for wealth. Filter for the kind of illness you can tolerate. Rashes, vomiting, flu, you name it, and get paid real MedBucks with a simple two-step process. Contract and track. The malady of your choice gets mailed right to your door in a convenient pill or gummy for the young and health conscious, and you use the app to track how it's going. For science, MedBucks, trading health for wealth. MedBucks only valid at participating medical institutions within 90 days of acquisition. The MedBucks app may cause cancer in the state of California. MedBucks cannot be exchanged, refunded, or monetized. Limits and restrictions apply.
0: So the topic that I have for today is board games. I am so
1: excited about this topic. Yeah,
0: I I feel like we've been getting into really cerebral topics. And I enjoy talking about cerebral things, obviously. However, I feel like the the foundation of the podcast was really just in like hanging out and chatting. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get back to like the fun laid back just chatting about board games or whatever. Yeah. Thinking is is boring is thinking, what you're saying. I I had a big realization that thinking is boring. And I was like, I need to I need to consider this. <laughs> so
1: so our th- our podcast is called Thoughtful and uh thinking is boring. So welcome everybody. Welcome to Thoughtful. Thinking is boring. Where where we, we uh Talk well. Talking's not boring though. Just thinking, so we do the we're, we do the boring part
0: for you. Well, the thing is, the it's thoughtful. We're full of thoughts because we've already thunk, and we need to no longer because it's so mm-hmm. boring. We've done the hard work. Yeah. Now, so now we're full of the thoughts, Now and we, we can, just live. We, we can, just can thrive. We, in, in now the, we just our thrive with each other, and we bestow our thoughts upon our poor thought, thought thought-scarce audience. That's probably really offensive to
1: some people that are listening. They, they won't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to burst the bubble because I am very cerebral about my board games. So I might just make this a a
0: really horrible, horribly boring conversation. It won't be boring because it's about board games and board games are fun. I wanted, if we could to confine it to party games, although I'm happy to talk about other games, but I wondered if you had a favorite party game. I do. Yeah,
1: I my favorite party game, ooh, okay, well, this is it's not a it's not a board game. So you stop me and I'll, I'll give you a board game one and I'll give you my favorite one. I like jackbox games.
0: Oh, those are great,
1: which are very fun but there that is not there's no board involved I guess
0: you're right it's not a board game per se it could be a board
1: game yeah but they're specific so jackbox games if you've never checked them out I highly recommend it um, our favorite is. Uh, What is it called? It doesn't matter. It's it's, a quiplash. It's quiplash. Of course, it's quiplash. Yeah, they give you a prompt, and you you come up with some answer, and you pit it against another person's answer, and whoever gets the most votes wins.
0: And it pairs with your mobile technology. So then on the computer screen, or on the TV screen, it'll give you a prompt, and then you have a certain amount of time to... Or actually, typically, it'll say, look at your phone. Mm -hmm. And then... On your phone, it'll have a prompt that you and one other person in the group has, and you have to respond in some witty or funny way. Or you don't have to do a witty, funny one,
1: but
0: people love it when you do witty and funny.
1: Yeah, let's do an example. Um, Yeah. What is the worst name for a... Oh, okay. Um, Worst baby name of 2023.
0: Worst baby name of
1: 2023. Oh, 2024, because it hasn't happened yet.
0: Yes, yes. It's always theoretical... Or not always, I guess, but frequently yeah. theoretical. Um, see, this is why I always need the 60 seconds. Yeah, because uh stumpy. Bad man.
1: <laughs> okay, so, it's, so then, you, then you, oh, it's a hard choice, guys, because that those are both really
0: bad. So then it pops up on the screen, and everyone else gets to vote on yeah. what they think was the, the best answer yeah
1: so to go back to your original question a board game my favorite party I, I would game. consider
0: that a party game i would not consider it a board game yeah but party games now with modern technology it's no longer a circle inside a circle it's a venn diagram now man. <laughs> that's that's deep
1: uh favorite <laughs> party game okay i really like Oh, man. I like word... For party games, I like word games or thought games or where the fun of the game is the interaction with the other players, not so much with the game itself. And so I'm thinking of my favorite example of this. I like poetry for Neanderthals a
0: lot. I've heard of this game, but I've never played it.
1: You get a prompt, and you have to describe something using only one-syllable words. That's so fun. Which makes you sound like a caveman.
0: Yeah.
1: One of my favorite parts is there's a... A inflatable club called the no stick okay. that the other team gets, and they get to whack you with the no stick if you uh, if you say a multi-syllabic <laughs> word. That's so, incredible. So, for instance, let's say the. Okay, so here's an example. I I'm gonna describe a word. You need to tell me what you think I'm describing. Yeah. Ready? Uh, um. This is place where teeth live. Mouth. yeah
0: right that's so cool
1: (laughs) and so it's just really fun because then it, it forces you to think and it's it's really hard and you just get to laughing about the ridiculous things that your friends
0: are saying yeah i do want to point out that you went above and beyond for the neanderthal requirement of this prompt because the and your are both one syllable words So you could have said, this is the place where your teeth live. (laughs) But but you added some extra flavor on there and I appreciate that. I was just being efficient. I was just... You were, you were very efficient. And I
1: understood exactly what you meant. I'm very competitive. (laughs) Oh, we should do the rest of this podcast in only one syllable words. That would be hard. (laughs) Yes, it would be.
0: I actually found writing... (laughs) Actually. Oh, actually. Well played. I found when I wrote poems. No, that's still too. Um, it depends if you say When I wrote stuff, it. I found when I would write poetry that with verse in particular, where you have to fit into a really specific meter, it's actually really easy to write poetry in only one syllable words because a word like quite or a word like just can go just about anywhere or it's really interesting how there's certain one syllable words that you can just pop into any place of the poem and it'll just fix the meter of the line hmm. and so uh so poetry is really fun to do when you like really great verse poets will always show off how complicated of words they can fit into the rhythm
1: <laughs> that's fun yeah i I really like Poetry for Neanderthals because it it's a type of game where it transfers and we we might get into this later but the the fun part of that game is not the game itself it's yeah. the it's the people that you're playing with and yeah. the things that they say and the inside jokes that come yeah, out of it because yeah. of that ridiculous sentence that they made or yes. whatever. So what about you? What's your favorite what's your favorite party board game?
0: That's a good question. So I have a number of games that I really like. I like One Night Werewolf a lot. That's always a fun one. Have you played that? It's been a very long time. Okay. Give, me, give me a so there's, the short of it. There's like a an informal game called Werewolf or Mafia okay. that a lot of people play. There's another game that's more specific called One Night Werewolf, where you have like a little app and everybody has little cards. And it's essentially the same game, but a little bit more specific so they can sell you more more stuff but the traditional game of werewolf or mafia involves handing out cards to everybody and in some way these cards signify whether you are part of the mafia slash werewolf or whether you are some title relating to figuring out who the mafia is or the werewolf is so usually in werewolf they call that character the seer In Mafia, usually they call them the detective or something like this. And then there's always a role that can, uh, I think, heal people, or sometimes there's like an assassin role who, if you kill that person, they can take out one other person with them. But the structure of the game involves a narrator or some sort of game master telling everybody to go to sleep. The werewolves wake up. They all get to see who they Who they are. They know that they're on the same team. And they're just opening their... They're closing their eyes and opening their eyes in the game. Exactly. And then every day, the villagers or the, I guess, townspeople or whatever, vote on... Debate and try to figure out who the werewolf or the mafia is and then execute them. And every day they have a chance to execute one person. They don't have to execute, but they can if they so choose. And then... The townspeople win if they can successfully kill the werewolves. The werewolves win if they can kill so many of the villagers that it's, there are more werewolves than villagers now. There's yeah. typically only two werewolves-ish. And
1: there's an element of negotiation and, yes. and talking and trying to figure it out and convincing yes. people, isn't there, at both?
0: Yes, yes, because in the day, only the werewolves know who the other werewolves are. So in the day, they look like normal townspeople, and they're arguing with everybody else to decide who to execute and figure out who the werewolves are, so then they'll naturally just kind of lead you astray. The problem with that game, I find, is the people that are really bad at lying. (laughs) That's true. I actually have a very vivid memory of us playing that game in college together.
1: I, I remember too. Yeah. It was uh at, at the dining hall, right? At the bottom <laughs> floor of the dining hall. And... and
0: at that at that stage of my life, it was inconceivable to me that people would lie for a game for whatever reason. So I remember this like moment that built up to like a crescendo in my head where everybody was like we had never thought of it seemed to me, asking each other directly, are you the werewolf? <laughs> and, seeing how they and, and seeing how they respond. So then it became this epic high stakes game and everyone's like, I, I think it was you who initiated it. And you said something like, I'm the seer and blah, 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 you had information, but I, I can't remember exactly how it came out. And then I was like, I can ask Jordan directly if he would lie for the game. And I was like, Jordan, would you lie just to win a game of Werewolf? And you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, dang it. <laughs> I thought for sure that would <laughs> solve this. Um,
1: Do you remember the outcome? Was I lying? I don't. Remember you were that.
0: not lying. They, uh, the werewolves killed you off next because they knew you knew too much. <laughs> and then me and one other person. And then it was four. I think it was four people. And it was me and one other person and then two werewolves. And from the information you gave, then me and the other person decided to execute one of the werewolves, and we won. And in, it was like very high stakes, oh, so it was man. really fun. Yeah,
1: so it, by the game though, I was a, I was a loser, even though I gave the crucial information. Yeah,
0: yeah, you did. You were executed, or you were assassinated. Yeah. Yeah, it was unfortunate, but you know, to make an omelet, you gotta crack a few eggs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you, what, how's One Night Werewolf
0: different? So, One Night Werewolf is really fun because they assign every person a role, not just the werewolves. And so, it's really fun because there's one person who, I think their name is like the trickster, or it might be the, the thief or something like this. You wake up and you look at your role, but then you go back to sleep and everybody has a turn to mess around with stuff. So, the thief can take a different person's role and switch it with their own and then look at that as their new role so then they might become a werewolf and the person who thinks that they were a werewolf is actually no longer a werewolf and so then they may or may not depending on their role may or may not get a chance to look at what their card is again so they might have gotten it switched without realizing there's a character called the tanner and the whole point of the tanner is that their life as a tanner, tanning leather, is so bad that they are trying to die. And the tanner is completely on their own team. And if they can get the village to execute them at any point in time, then they win alone.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's um, so
0: sad. It's really sad, but really funny.
1: Oh man, so I bet it's really easy to identify who that person is.
0: It, it often is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually it is.
1: <laughs> oh, but then you wouldn't want to kill them, right? So, or execute them. So that's right. Um, oh wow, that's funny. What are but some But then, of the if other... you're
0: werewolf, you could pretend to be the Tanner, uh-huh. and then people are like, "He's trying to get himself killed. He's oh. trying to look like the werewolf." That's and he is the werewolf, and so then you can protect yourself that way. Oh
1: wow! Yeah. Oh, okay. So, what's so interesting about this game is the is the, the social, social deduction. interaction. It's a whole yeah. type
0: of game called social deduction games.
1: What are What are some of the other? Is there any other really funny role or
0: anything that you can think of? That's a good question. Um, no. I'm trying to remember
1: because so when i was in high school this was the best class ever it was an ap physics class and our ap physics teachers were really into board games and oh. it was one of those classes that meant for 90 minutes every single day but after our ap test then there was really not a lot for us to yeah. do and so they had all of their board games they brought them all in and that was the first time i played this one. On, oh, cool one yeah and i feel like there was one that was like the fool or something like that and they it was the one that, like, you. there's nothing significant about you or this card. Oh, that's funny. But it was so yeah. sad <laughs> if you were the fool.
0: I think there's one where you switch it with somebody else's without knowing what you are. Oh, okay. There's, like, one where you switch it and you get to look, and there's one where you switch it and you don't get to look. So you're trying to just guess based on what you think you might be. Um, There's another one called The Henchman that's kind of fun where they are a villager, but they win if the werewolves win. So then, I forget exactly what the rules for the henchmen are, but they basically are trying to help the werewolves win. I think they don't know who the werewolves are, but they're trying to like, subtly help the werewolves win. What, so what do you like
1: so much about these kinds of social deduction games?
0: It's just like you were saying about the, it's, it's not the mechanics, per se, that make the game interesting. It's that the mechanics facilitate certain types of interactions between people that then those interactions become the story or those interactions become the game. So like Quiplash is really fun because people are really funny and people are really witty, but you don't always have a chance to just tell someone, be funny, and then just laugh together. So it facilitates- I've tried that and it doesn't work. It, it just it, doesn't. Yeah, it depends on the person. Be, be funny now.
1: Uh.
0: That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, so then it facilitates people's natural humor and I feel like just gives a, a platform where they can all do that together or, or creates a space where they can do that together in a way that you might not be able to without those rules so to speak what does it do for the i don't know people keep keep coming back to those games
1: and and it's it's fun and yeah. i'm i'm wondering yeah you know, why why do i like them so much probably because i for that reason like oh this was hilarious now we have mm-hmm. some shared like laughter yes. and it's yes. just it's something special when you're when you're with your friends and you have a mm-hmm. a new joke that comes up. I still remember some of the, some of the ridiculous <laughs> things that people said in those types of games. Yeah, and It's yeah. like something that we'll we'll talk about. Um, oh, another game it was called Panic Station. Oh, okay. Um, it's a another kind of social deduction game where yeah. one person is something that they call the defector. Um, okay. It's it's the one person is going against the goals of all the other people. Yeah. And uh, they can secretly convert people to their team um, through different means of the game, but um, yeah, it's just like a, it's just kind of became a running joke in my wife's a family the one time that we played, you know? Yes. <laughs> asking, are you infected? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's those, uh, it, because it's just so drenched in all of the laughter and all of the yeah. intera- interaction with each other, you always, it kind of brings you out of, the, of the, the humdrum of the world and, and gives you a yeah. platform to have such a fun time.
0: Yeah, exactly. I had a friend who was theorizing about why Dungeons & Dragons is so popular and has been so popular for decades. And it's been like it's one of the oldest um, games of its type, but it still is able to stay around and compete with video games and much more complicated pieces of media that are directly stealing from Dungeons and Dragons. And this person was theorizing that because Dungeons and Dragons tells a story that's really compelling, but it allows the people playing to be part of the story and to essentially tell each other or tell themselves that story, they're co-creators in the actual narrative that that they're experiencing and so that makes it really engaging because you have agency like you wouldn't be able to have in a, in a normal story and because your it's your imagination and it's and it's your own story that's just unfolding so it has really particular like local unique story pieces that stay with you forever because it's so um, powerfully situated in meaningful context. And I think it's the same with party games like that, where these jokes are able to be embedded in uh, relational context that's really deep. And it becomes a story, and you're telling each other the story and participating. Right. And yeah, yeah. One last game I wanted to talk about before we transition into our, our highlight. Was a wonderful game that I own called Who Should We Eat, <laughs> which is the greatest title. <laughs> and honestly, the the mechanics of the game could be better. I think that they, but I think it's really good. It's it's the kind of game that doesn't have a whole ton of replayability, but it's really really fun. Is it because the first
1: time. Um, because you eat the people, and so then you can't. After
0: you've eaten your friends, and then you, have no you friends, can't play with anyone. You have to make new friends. Um, it's unfortunate, but actually physically eating your friends is part of the game. <laughs> that's that's uh, unsettling. No, that's just a joke, actually. That's
1: weird that you wanted me to play it with you. Uh, <laughs> but things have just kept coming up, so that's too bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll get you one of these days. <laughs> So what, no. what, do you, what do you do? What is the game? So it's essentially like Werewolf. It's this social deduction arguing game. Uh, or at least I should say the, the decision of who you eat takes place in an argument style very much like Werewolf, debating who you're going to execute. But you essentially have a raft, and you have a certain, depending on how many people you have, the raft has to be a certain size for you to escape. For you to survive the night, you have to have a certain amount of food. And for you to survive at all, you have to maintain a, a sanity level above zero. <laughs> if you're, you everyone loses if your sanity drops to zero. And- Presumably that eating people makes you less Much sane. less sane, much less sane, yes. <laughs> and every person has a different role. So there's one guy who's a carpenter and he's going to be really good at helping to build the raft, but he's not as good at foraging for food, for example. There's a psychologist who's really good at helping your sanity levels to stay up, but is not as good at building the raft and so on. There's a farmer. There's a sailor. There's... there's a cook. There's a cook. Is I think there? there is a cook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and every person. I feel like you'd be pretty safe if you're the cook. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Because
1: um, if you're going to eat someone,
0: <laughs> you might as well enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's very true. But then every character, in addition to having their unique capabilities that they can add to your team, they also all have a meat value. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I think you know what that's for. So... <laughs>
1: I see why the cook might be. The cook. I think <laughs> the cook has is, a pretty high meat the, value. The
0: cook is pretty beefy, so, and then there's different ways you can be like injured or traumatized that'll give you like permanent setbacks that make you a liability to the team, or <laughs> <laughs> different ways. It's it's very it sounds so fun. It's so fun. It's it's horribly tragic, and like a lot of a lot of situations involve drawing straws or or all these things. When you're foraging for food or when you're helping to build the raft or, or what have you, there's also an opportunity for you to hide a weapon. And so then when your food value drops to zero and you know that you're not going to be able to eat and survive another night, then you go into debate about who you are going to eat. And you have to eat someone if your food is at zero. So then you debate it and some people could have smuggled knives into the debate as well. And if, they, if the, everybody turns on them or if the debate goes a certain way, they can try to shank someone in the middle of the debate and kill them immediately and then the debate is over. So then there's all these situations where like if two people have knives, they have really technical mechanics about it. And so then it turns into a knife fight and you draw straws to see who wins the knife fight.
1: No one wins at knife fights. No on. one wins
0: the knife fight. Then there's like, you can get a meat shield, and if someone tries to knife you, it sticks in the meat shield, and then you have a knife and they don't have a knife. It's like really a weird game. <laughs> um, but it's so much fun. And then once you kill someone and eat them, then the food goes up, of course. Mm. The sanity goes down. Of course. Of course. The size of raft you need goes down because you can escape on a smaller raft with fewer people, but the person you just ate becomes a ghost and is haunting the group to try to get their sanity down to zero and kill them. And uh, if they can successfully bring the sanity to zero, the survivors lose and the ghosts win.
1: That sounds really fun. It's really cool.
0: We need to play this game. It's really fun. It's It's the type of game that, changes dramatically based on what group you're playing with. (laughs) Um. Today's episode of Thoughtful is brought to you by Placenta Swap. Many women don't know that when you give birth, your placenta contains valuable nutrients and hormones that are thought to be helpful for speeding up after birth recovery, but hearing that the best way to get those nutrients back into the body is to consume their own placentas, many women, understandably, wrinkle their nose. Isn't that, I don't know, like self-cannibalism? This puts most women in a challenging position. Do I freeze my own body and shave off raw pieces of it for my morning smoothies, or do I just cry and condemn myself to never be happy again? Ladies, we are happy to announce, Placenta Swap is here to solve your placentic quandaries. Don't settle for self-cannibalism when you can engage in plain old cannibalism. The process is simple. After giving birth, just set up your placenta profile and start looking for a match. Profiles can be set up to give information about weight, volume, flavor, scent, and even quote, personality. Swipe left on any placenta that does not look appealing, but if you see a placenta staring back at you from that profile pic, mm, 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 you are just ready to chow down. If both placenta owners swipe right, you'll be put into contact with the placenta of your dreams. Subscribe now to our premium account option, and for a limited time, users can receive up to 30 percent more placenta than they donate. Where is all this placenta coming from? Sign up today at www.placentaswap.com and start swapping today. Placenta Swap. Taste your health, not yourself.
1: Earlier this week, we had to take my car into the... A dealership, get some stuff looked at and fixed. And I was picked up from the dealership and then decided to ride my bike and, yeah. uh, and go there to pick up the van and then yes. just drive my bike home. And it was great. It yeah. was really fun just to, to get on my bike and, and ride somewhere that I otherwise would have had someone drive me to. And uh, I, I haven't done that before. And it, yeah. Just I, it was a nice day. I enjoyed the ride. I, I rolled into the tire place where the van was and brought my bike inside
0: and was breathing yes. hard and heavy yeah.
1: and uh, asked asked for my car. <laughs> and yes.
0: it was it was a good time. That's so great. I think a lot about how in contemporary life in the United States, our world exists in discrete boxes where you wake up and then you go into the bathroom box and you brush your teeth. Then you go to the, you know, kitchen box and you eat. And then you go in your car box and you go to work and then you're in your room all day. And it's all... Which is box-shaped normally. Which is box-shaped. Uh, so, like, our life is composed of being in indoors just about all the time. And cars and most types of transportation are just boxes that are transitional boxes to take you to the next box you're gonna be in. And so your life becomes, rather than a cohesive whole where spatial meaning is all situated in relation to all the other places you go, Mm -hmm. that you're in discrete boxes that are separate and disconnected from each other. So that life, I am of the opinion, life has less uh, cohesive meaning Because the physical spaces of your life are not as directly physically connected. Would you say that you become square? And as always, thank you so much for listening to Thoughtful, a podcast about extreme fitness. Tune in next time to hear why exactly doctors hate him. Is it mere jealousy? Or does their animosity unveil a sinister conspiracy that goes all the way to the top? Until then, have a wonderful week, stay curious, and make some time for those you love.